Well, turn with me, if you would, in the Bible to Psalms 147. Psalms 147, verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. This morning, I want to continue my short two-part series on degrinched, becoming degrinched. And if you recall, the Grinch was a mean, nasty, rude, isolated creature who lived on Mount Crumpet with his loyal dog, Max. And the truth is, the Grinch hated Christmas. In fact, he hated everything about everyone, everywhere. And the reason why the Grinch hated so deeply and isolated himself so strongly was because his heart became two sizes too small, and he lost heart capacity. And while this is a fictional movie and story, the truth of the matter is there are millions of people that have lost their heart capacity. Their heart has become too small, and they're not able to love God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, all of their mind, and all of their strength. You see, that's heart capacity. And people have lost the ability to love the way that God wants them to love. There there are so many people. In fact, I have to tell you that last week it was just an incredible moment for me. And, And it was sad. And at the same time, it told me where I needed to go the next week in my sermon series. Because when I asked people to respond last week, When I said, how many of you have been hurt and how many of you have lost heart capacity and how many of you would really like to see God heal your heart and open up your heart and widen your capacity to love God and love others, 90% of you stood up. Many of you came forward and you were crying and, and God had been working in your heart because you know that you've lost heart capacity. You know you've lost heart capacity because somehow you've been hurt, you've been wounded as a child, you've been wounded as an adult, and now your heart's become cynical, your heart's become a little critical, unloving, a lot of times unresponsive, and a lot of times uncompassionate. And we all lose heart capacity because we've all been hurt in this life. Why? Because we live in a dysfunctional world. We live in a sin-filled world. And hurt people hurt people. And you have been hurt by a hurt person, but you have hurt somebody because you've been hurt as well. And so many of us responded. And last week, God, by his Holy Spirit, began to show you that he wanted to bring healing in your life. began to show you and I that we're not as forgiving as we should, that we're not as trusting in people as we should be. We're not as compassionate and we're not as loving as we should because the truth is we ought to love the way Jesus loved. And that's the goal is to become like Christ. And how many of you know that we're not like Christ in a lot of ways we fall short, but God has a plan for your life and it's a big plan and God wants you and I to live in freedom. The Bible says, The Son has set us free, and because we've been set free, we are free indeed. The Bible tells us that we are to live in peace. Why? Because Jesus said, the peace I give you is not the peace the world can give you, but I give you this supernatural peace that comes from the Holy Spirit, that God wants us to enjoy and experience joy in our life. He said he wants to give you joy unspeakable 
and full of glory. He wants you to experience life more abundantly. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that life to the fullest. God wants us to experience the Holy Spirit's power in our life. But the truth is there's so many Christians today that are not living the life that God wants them to live. Why? Because their heart has been wounded. But this morning, I believe with all of my heart that God wants to take your wounded heart and he wants to heal it and he wants to restore your broken heart. He says he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. This morning, God wants to heal your heart from past hurts and past abuse and past failure and past rejection and past wounds that keep us bound to our past and prevent us from really being everything that God wants us to be. Remember why Jesus came. Remember why Jesus came as a baby. Remember why he came as a man. The Bible tells us that he came as a man. The reason why we celebrate Christmas is because this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that when Jesus came, the spirit of the Lord was upon him and he anointed him to preach the good news or the gospel to the poor. He wasn't talking about people that didn't have money. He was talking about people who had wounded and broken hearts that came to the end of themselves as he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. When you get to that point where you recognize that I'm broken, I'm dysfunctional, and I need my broken heart to be healed. And what is the heart? It's the inner you. It's the real you. It's the person on the inside when you're smiling on the outside, but there's a lot of pain on the inside. It's the heart of a person. It's the soul of the person. It's the inner you, the person that you are on the inside. And, he, and the Bible says he sent him to heal up the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captive and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who have been abused. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord has sent me to heal up the brokenhearted. Is your heart broken today? Can you really love the way Jesus loved? Can you really respond with compassion the way that Jesus responded with compassion? Can you trust? Can you forgive? Can you believe like Jesus believed? If not, then your heart needs mending. It needs divine intervention by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, the Spirit of God, he's upon me. He sent me to preach deliverance to the captive. And maybe today your heart is held captive by past memories or past hurts or past failures or past wounds. Listen to me. God doesn't want you to live as a captive, but he wants to set you free whom the sun sets free is free indeed. He wants to set you free because some of you are held captive to insecurity. Some of you are held captive to bitterness and unforgiveness. The things that other people have done to you that's binding you to your past instead of living in freedom, instead of loving and trusting and believing like Jesus did. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me 
so that I can proclaim liberty to those that are captive, but also to give them recovery of sight, to open the eyes of the blind. And yes, Jesus laid his hands on blind people and they were able to see physically, but he wasn't talking about physical blindness. He was talking about the way that we see everything in life. You see, the way that you see things, the way that you hear things are always colored by the condition of your heart. And Jesus wants to open our eyes so that we can see the way that he sees. We can see the way that God sees. He wants to restore your vision so that you can see because some of us, we cannot see past our hurts. Everything we see is in the light of our pain and our hurt. We see people through our hurt. We see God through our failures. We see God through our own pain, our experiences. We see life. We see our future. We see our past. We see everything in the light of our pain-filled experiences. But Jesus today wants to restore your eyesight. He wants to give you new vision. He wants you to see the beauty of the things that he created all around you. He wants you to see all the majesty, all the glory, all the joy, all the potential, and all the possibilities that are all around you. All the beautiful gifts that God has given you and wants to give you. Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. The Bible tells us that he meets a father who is heartbroken and he sees that his disciples are not able to deliver a demon out of this man's son. And the Bible said that this man was so despondent, he was so discouraged and Jesus said, do you believe that I can heal your son? Do you believe that your son can have a bright future? And the man said something, and I think it, it, it really resounds our own hearts. Yes, Lord, I believe, but help my wounded heart. Help my bruised heart, Lord, because my heart is so bruised that I want to believe. Help my belief, Lord, and help my unbelief. He's saying, widen my heart. Give me capacity so that I can see that my son can have a future. Give me the ability again to believe God. Give me the ability to see again God. Give me the ability to know again. You see, the reason why you have such difficulty in believing God for something in your life is because you have a wounded heart. The reason why you have a hard time believing that God has a plan for your life and that it includes so much more of God and so many more blessings in your life and so much more glory in your life is because your heart's been wounded. And from, listen to me, the the abundance of our heart, from our shrunken heart, we cannot believe the way God wants us to believe because Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. From the abundance of the heart, we see things. And if our heart is wounded, if our heart is hurt, if our heart is bitter, if our heart is darkened and we can't see the way God wants us to see, then we can't have faith. And if we don't have faith, we can't experience the miraculous in our life. But Jesus said, the Holy Spirit has sent me to set at liberty those that have been bruised. That's freedom. That's liberty. That's new life. That's mountain moving faith. 
That's the ability to believe God. That's the ability to believe again in people. That's the ability to love again. That's the ability to trust again, even when you've been hurt. That's the ability to have a God-sized heart, that capacity to begin to trust God again, that capacity to begin to trust people again, that capacity to believe that you've got a greater future than your past. Somebody say amen. And this morning, I, I want to give you five steps in, in experiencing healing in your life. You see, I, I believe that God showed me something last week. There's a lot of brokenhearted people in this place. There's a lot of brokenhearted people watching via live stream all over the world. And the truth is, many of you were truthful last week. You said, man, my heart's been wounded My heart's been wounded because I lost something. I lost someone. My heart's been wounded because I failed. I failed as a father. I failed as a mom. My heart's been wounded because I was abused as a child. Some of you were sexually abused as little girls, little boys, and it's wounded the way that you see people in life. It's hard to trust. Some of you have had somebody that walked out on you, and it's hard to believe again that you can love the way that God wants you to love. But I believe today by the power of the Holy Spirit that God is going to begin to heal the brokenhearted today. I want you to pray with me. Would you bow your heads right now? I want to pray a prayer over you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to come. I pray that you would begin to do a work in your people's hearts, O oh God. Lord, I pray, O oh God, that you would travel up to the balcony, O oh Lord, and that You would touch people's hearts. You would travel down into the cafe, that you would travel across the wavelengths of live stream, Lord God, and that you would go into that house in Italy and Dubai and Jamaica and Trinidad and down the block, wherever they are, God, I pray that you would touch each and every soul, each and every life, each and every heart. I pray for everyone on the main floor today and those that will watch this in the future, that their hearts will begin to soften and it will be healed. You'll... You'll take that heart of stone and you'll give us a heart of flesh and we'll begin to feel again the things that you want us to feel. See again the things you want us to see, Lord God. Experience the things you want us to experience. Believe the things that you want us to to apprehend, Lord. And I thank you, Lord God, today, right now, that you're going to do a work of your Holy Spirit of healing in the lives of people. In Jesus' name, amen. If I had some gifts that I would want to give you at Christmas time, the first thing that I would give you is the gift, is a gift, a really important gift, the gift of revelation, revelation. You see, this morning, the first step in being healed in your heart is to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal the true condition of your heart. You know, I love the Psalms. When I read the Psalms, they bring healing to my own heart, and I'm memorizing the Psalms. I love them so much. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I fear or be afraid of? When the wicked advance against me, it is my enemies and my foes that will stumble and fall. Though an army beseech me, my heart will not fare. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. In my day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his shelter, in his dwelling place. He will hide me in the shelter of his secret tent and he will set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted 
exalted above my enemies that surround me. Hallelujah. Then I will offer the sacrifice of praise, shouts of praise, and I will make music and sing to the Lord because of the goodness of the Lord in my life. I will know the Lord and I will wait upon him and know that he's a great and mighty God. I love the Psalms. They're so, so powerful. And they were written by David. And I think that David was so anointed to write those Psalms. But every once in a while, David would write something in the Psalms where I'd go, David, dude, man, you're in the flesh. Do you ever notice how David, at times he would get into this kind of Grinch-like attitude? Psalms 139. He starts off really good. Where can I go from the Lord? Where can I flee from the presence of the Lord? You, you know, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he gets this kind of Grinch-like heart, and he goes, oh, God, if you would only slay the wicked, I mean, if you would only barbecue them, just get, wipe them off the face of the earth. And he becomes pretty judgmental towards other people. And then the Holy Spirit touches his heart. And David realizes he's got this Grinch-like heart. And David goes, oh, oh, God, forgive me. Search me, oh, God, and know my heart. And know if there's any hurt or bitterness or unforgiveness. Know if there's any offensive way in my own heart. You know, it's so easy to see the sins of other people, isn't it? Come on, look at me. Isn't it so easy to judge other people and the things that they're doing in their life? But Jesus said, why do you try to take the little bitty splinter out of somebody else's eye when you've got a log in your eye that you can't even see? He says, first, take the log out of your own eye before you try to judge somebody else. Amen. And it's so easy to judge other people. But David says, Lord, search me, oh God. And know, intimately know my own heart. Know the condition of my own life, Lord God. When I'm smiling and I'm acting religious and, I, and it seems like everything's going well, know what's really happening on the inside of my heart and test me. Give me an exam. Listen to me. You're never going to get better until you allow yourself to have an exam. You allow yourself to go to the doctor and Dr. Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father God. He's got to show you the condition of your heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, Lord. Know those thoughts that are not God-like thoughts. Know those thoughts, those thoughts that are darkened by my darkened heart so that I, I can't really see the condition of men and I can't really see the condition of my own heart and I can't see the things that God you have for me. He says, know my anxious heart, my negative heart and my negative thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Search me, know me, test me. He said, see if there's any pain in my heart. See if, see if there's any denial in my heart. And don't allow me to stay in denial, Lord, but see if there's any offensive way. And then lead me in the way that brings me to abundant life. And I want you to stop right now, wherever you are. Close your eyes for a moment. And allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart. To bring up the things that you have suppressed, the issues, the hurts, the pain, the things that are deep in your spirit, the strongholds of your life. Go back and let God show you. It might be a hurt 
And it might really be painful to remember them, but God wants to reveal them to you because they are a cancer to your soul and they must be removed. And how do you know when your heart's been wounded? Look at me right now, would you please? How do you know when your heart is wounded? Well, number one, there's some indications of a wounded heart. Inner rawness. There's often a sense of inner rawness and hurt that doesn't seem to go away. Irritability. Don't look at your husband right now. It's easy to become irritable with others, even if they aren't doing anything wrong. Little or no tolerance for people. There's low tolerance for others and their sins. And we put these high demands on other people that we wouldn't even put on ourselves. Feelings that always rise up again. Feelings of anger, hate, resentment, etc. seem to rise up within you at the slightest offense of other people. Overly sensitive about an event in your past. If there's events in your past which cause you to become very sensitive or angry or depressed or fearful, maybe even cause you to lash out, it's likely that it's revealing a deep emotional wound that's tied to a memory of your past. Hard to forgive. It becomes very hard, if not impossible, to love and therefore forgive others. Can also be hard to forgive and love yourself. Can even be hard to forgive and love God, even though God hasn't done anything wrong to you. Hard to feel loved. It's hard to clearly see and realize the love that people have for you, even the love that God has in your life for you. You may be surrounded by wonderful people who really love you, but it's hard for you to accept and embrace that love for yourself. Lashing out when there's an inner wound that's festering in your heart, it becomes easy to lash out and have sudden outbursts of anger, of hate and resentment. You may find it easy to lash out at people who even love you, who have done you no harm as Somebody once said, we hurt the people we love the most. Self-hate, many times when a person is hurt from past abuse, they will begin to think, well, perhaps I did something to bring on the abuse. I want to tell you something, young lady, young man, whoever you are, you didn't do anything to bring on the abuse. It was wrong. It should have never been done. It's never justified. Please accept that into your life. Come on, somebody help me out and say amen. When you have a wounded heart, you're easily frustrated because of inner turmoil that an inner womb causes. It's easy to become easily frustrated with everyday chores and responsibilities or escapism. We try to escape the pain in our life, the inner wounds of our life, and it's easy to become addicted to things and like overeating and drinking and smoking or pornography or spending binges and so on and so on. And some people go to the extreme of cutting themselves. And they cut themselves because they actually want to be relieved of the pain. And they believe that if they cut themselves, somehow they're getting rid of the pain, even though it causes so much more pain in their life. There's an urge to retaliate. It's built up inside. There's an anger. There's a hate that results in unforgiveness. Somebody who has a festering inner wound will find it easy to retaliate or snap back at those who offend them or step on their toes. Then there's irresponsible behavior. Inner pain has a way of consuming a person's mind, and eventually this can take on a careless approach to life. It's hard to feel good about ourselves if we have an inner wound, and if we don't feel good about ourselves, then we will become reckless in our behavior. 
irrational expectation of others. Somebody who's been wounded has great expectations of other people or maybe even perfectionism. A person who has emotional wounds may also be performance driven. Perhaps they felt like no matter what they did, they could never please a parent or an authority figure. And later on in life, that rejection and that wound in their life causes the person now to be a performer to the point where they are never satisfied, but they're burning out because they keep on trying to do more and be more perfect, but they're never going to be perfect. You're never, look at me, you're never, ever going to have a perfect life. You're never going to be perfect. No one is perfect. I come close. Feelings of hopelessness, and I'm humble too. I believe this is also a common result of unresolved inner wounds. Since the love of God is blocked in our life, it becomes hard to see why he would love us and care for us. And therefore, we become an easy target of feeling like life is hopeless. And then drivenness. Some people, when they suffer emotional wounds... It actually creates a sense of a void in their life, and thus it causes them to drive and drive and be driven to find meaning and purpose and happiness in their life. And this can be in the forum of even trying to excel at their job, have a lot of college degrees. Listen to me. I'm not against having college degrees. Man, you need to do well. You need to get college degrees. But listen, your sense of identity is not born in how much money you have. Your sense of identity is not born in how many degrees you have on the wall. Your sense of identity is born in the fact that you were created in the very image of God and God's so loved you that he sent his only begotten son that if you were the only person on the face of this earth he would have still came and died for you because you have incredible worth in Jesus Christ and because now you are a child of God you are an heir of God you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ and you are the head you're not the tail you're blessed going in you're blessed coming out and you are the apple of God's eye and that's why you find great 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 Christ identity in your life. Somebody say amen. Glory to God. So I want you right now to stop and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you maybe a certain area of your life, a symptom of a wounded heart and admit that you've been wounded and admit that it's affected the way that you live your life and admit that you have denied it for too long and now it's time to let the light of the Holy Spirit bring that light upon your heart so that he can begin to do the surgery in your life. You know, the Bible tells us if, if we live in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin and we have fellowship with one another. You know, the Bible tells us that we're to actually confess our sins and our faults and our hurts and our struggles with one another that we might be healed. One of my favorite ministries at Bethlehem Assembly of God is Celebrate Recovery. In fact, I think it's one of the best ministries we've ever had at Bethlehem Assembly of God, and I would encourage you to go to Celebrate Recovery. And the, the reason why I'm so impressed with that ministry is because it's, it, it, it's filled with a group of people that are not worried about what other people think about them any longer, and they admit that they have struggles in their life. 
You know, when I was hurt, when I was wounded as a kid, I suppressed all of that pain. And listen, when I became a pastor, I didn't want anybody to know that I was abused. I didn't want anyone to know that I went through anxiety because of the abuse. I didn't want anyone to know that there were times when, man, I felt like there was a dark black part of my heart that needed to be healed. I was embarrassed. I didn't want anyone to know. Why? Because I was afraid of what people would think. I was afraid that they wouldn't respect me. They wouldn't honor me as a pastor. But you know what? I've gotten to the point where I know that the only way that I can be healed is to admit that I'm broken and I'm in the process of sanctification in my life, that I'm broken and I need Jesus to repair my heart. I'm not better than anyone else. I pray and I walk just like you walk and pray. And we all have issues in our life and we all have fears in our life and we all have struggles in our life. And when we begin to tell each other that we have struggles and we admit that we have troubles and struggles in our life and trials. It's so, so healing in our life because then we are not pretending that we're perfect. We're not pretending that we've got it all together. Listen, I don't have it all together. And frankly, I don't care what you think about me. And I pray to God that you would get to that place where you can have revelation so that you can get to the second stage, and that is release. The second step to experiencing healing for your heart is to give your hurt to God, to release your hurt to God. Listen to me. Some of you this morning have held on to your hurt for so many years that it's literally become your friend. It's kind of like that, that lame man at the pool when Jesus came and said, do you want to get better? Why would you ask the man who was there for 38 years, do you want to get better? Because sometimes we don't want to get better because that gives us, gives us an excuse for failure. It gives us an excuse for not uh, ad- advancing and succeeding in life. So it becomes our friend. It becomes our great excuse for not allowing God to do the work in our life. It becomes our friend. It's time for you to let go of your friend. Because God wants to take it from you. I love what Isaiah 53 says. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Listen to me. Jesus came to earth to die on the cross to make us holy. But in the process, listen to me, in the process of going to the cross, Jesus carried upon himself all of your grief, all of your sorrow, all of your pain, all of the abuse, all of the struggle, all of the temptation. As the Bible says, we have a high priest that's been touched with the feeling of our pain, with the feeling of our infirmity, with the feeling of our shortcoming, with the feelings of our temptation, yet without sin. Therefore, we can come to God and be assured with full confidence and boldness. We can go to the throne room of grace to receive mercy in a time of need. Why? Because Jesus carried it all upon himself. And the Bible says he came so that by his stripes you might be healed. And if Jesus carried your pain and he carried your sorrow and he carried your past, why are you carrying it this morning? Give it to Jesus. He wants to take it from you today. Come on, somebody. Thank the Lord that he carried it to the cross and he nailed it to the cross. Hallelujah. 
I want you to see Jesus nailing your pain to the cross. I want you to close your eyes right now. And I want you to see Jesus nailing the abuse to the cross and nailing all of the things that you went through to the cross so that he can carry all of your pain upon himself. He said, I took your pain. I took your sorrow. I took the abuse, the grief, the emotional torment, all the wounds, all the hurt, and I carried it for you and nailed it to the cross so that now you can cast it upon me. 1 Peter 1, verse 16 says, cast all of your cares, cast all of your pain, cast all of your hurt, cast all of your shortcomings, cast all your wounds upon me because I care for you deeply and I carried them so that you don't have to carry them. Besides, Jesus is saying to you today, they're way too heavy. You're never going to be able to carry your past. You're never going to be able to carry the pain. That's why Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 11, come unto me, all you that are labored and heavy laden, burdened down, and I will give you rest, rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest for your for your, for your, for your, for your souls. The inner you. He didn't say rest for your body. He said rest for your heart. Because some of you, your hearts are not at rest. They're not at peace. But God wants you to find rest for your soul. He said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, you will find rest for your soul, rest for your weary heart. Rest for your wounded and broken heart. The third gift that I want to give you today is the gift of receiving. You see, we have to have revelation. Then we've got to have the ability to release, let it go. But then you have to receive, let it go so God can give you something else. We've got to be able to receive the love of God in our heart. You see... The reason why so many of us cannot relate to God our Father, the reason why we can't receive the love of our Father is because we had imperfect fathers. Every one of us in this room, were imperfect. I want all the fathers in this place, if you're a father, I want you to say, I am a dad, but I am imperfect. Family, I want you to look at dad and remind, no, I'm just kidding. We're imperfect. And you know why? Because we have been touched with sin in our life. I love what the Bible says. Jesus says this. He says, you who are evil as a dad know how to give your children good gifts. How much more will your heavenly father give you what you ask? How much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit? How much more will your heavenly father shower you with all the things that you need in your life? It's the how much mores of scripture. It's the comparison between an evil man like me, even though I try to be good in myself, I'm wicked and I can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing that 
dwells inside of me is good other than what God puts inside my life because I've been touched with sin in my life. And the Bible says how much more your heavenly, holy, pure, majestic, glorious, all-powerful, almighty God who is the one who is perfect in all of his ways, who has no impure motives in his heart. How much more will he treat his children with the love that they need? That's why Paul the Apostle says, I want your heart and your mind and your, your understanding. I want you to comprehend how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of God. And I want your life to be rooted and grounded in the love of God so that you might be filled with the fullness of God in your life. I want your heart to grow larger so that you can receive the capacity, the length of God's love, the depth of God's love, the height of God's love, the width of God's love in your life. And when you are grounded on the fact that your Abba Father, your Daddy God, as the Bible says, we have not received the spirit of fear again, but we have received the spirit that cries out, Abba Father, Daddy God. And when we recognize that our Abba, our Daddy God loves us so much for God, so loved the world that he gave to us so that we can receive his love, so that our lives can be built on the unconditional love of God, so that we can say that not even death could be able to separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a clap offering and say, thank you, Abba Father, for your love that is unconditional. Glory to God. The next gift I'd love to give you is the gift of refocus. We need the gift of revelation. Lord, show me the attitude of my heart. We need the gift of being able to release our hurt to God. We need the gift of being able to receive the love of the Father. But then we need to refocus. You see, when our heart is wounded, when our heart's bruised, we start seeing ourselves in a different light than what God wants us to see ourselves in. The truth of the matter is today I wanted to bring a mirror out. And I wanted to ask you, what do you see when you look in the mirror? You know, one time I did a sermon. It was called, What Do You See? I might do it again. And I had a mirror here. I don't know if anybody remembers that sermon. And I put it down right here, and I had people come up. And I, I stood right here, and I, and, and I had them look in the mirror. And when they, when they looked in the mirror, I'm talking hundreds of people started weeping and crying. I said, what do you see when you look in the mirror? And they could not see what God sees. They could not see that they were a child of God. They could not see that they were an heir of God. They could not see that, that, that Christ lived inside of them and that they were righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ and that they were inseparable from God and they were a joint heir with Christ and an heir of God. But they could only see a sinner, one that would struggle and struggle and struggle with their, with their failures in their life. You see, we need to see ourselves as in Christ. I think the greatest term in the Bible... The greatest phrase in the Bible is in Christ, in Christ, because everything is found in Christ. Our righteousness is found in Christ, not in our good works, but everything about who we are is found in Christ. He is my stronghold. The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. 
The Lord is my stronghold, and I'm in Christ Jesus. And because I'm in Christ Jesus, I find my identity in Christ. You see, you don't need a good self-identity. Because the truth is, is if I gave you a self-identity, if you can believe in yourself, somewhere along the line, you're going to get very discouraged because it's not about believing in self, it's believing in him. Hallelujah. And you find your identity all in Christ. Listen to me, a wounded heart always affects how we see ourselves. Why? Because often... We often have guilt associated with the wounds that we experience. Maybe we feel that we had something to do with the abuse. Like I said before, maybe we struggle with anger or bitterness. Maybe we struggle with feelings of rejection. Maybe we struggle with the wrong thoughts in our brain. Maybe we struggle with sinning in our life, whatever it may be. We struggle with resentment, insecurity. Why did this happen to me? Why did God allow this happen to me? Whatever it is, it affects how we see ourselves. And, but we are to take those lies and we are to bind them up and, 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 and make them captive, every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God against the knowledge of who we are in Christ Jesus and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So what do you see when you look in the mirror? Colossians chapter one, verse 22 says, he has brought you back as his friends. He's done this through the death on the cross by his human body. As a result, he has brought you into his very presence, the presence of God, and you are now holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand in it firmly. So just in case you have forgotten who you are in Christ, Colossians chapter two says you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Ephesians two tells us that we are alive with Christ. Romans eight says that we're free from the law of sin and death. 1 John 5 says you were born of God and the evil one does not touch you. Ephesians 1 tells us that we're holy and blameless in his love. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says you have the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 4 says you have the peace of God that passes all understanding. 1 John chapter 4 says that you have the greater one living in you. Romans chapter 5 says you receive the gift of righteousness and reign as a king in this life by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter one, you have received the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowledge of Jesus and the eyes of your understanding is enlightened. Colossians chapter three, you have put off the old man and you've put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him who created you. Philippians chapter four, you have not no lack of any good thing because he supplies all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Hallelujah. And Philippians chapter four, you could do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And lastly, I would give you the gift of reconciliation. You see, I, I believe this is a key to healing in our life. I believe that the key to healing in our life is revelation. 
It is releasing, it is receiving, it is refocusing, but mostly it is understanding forgiveness and reconciliation. You see, until you get to the point in your life where you can be reconciled, where you can release someone that hurt you and forgive them and be reconciled in your heart, you will never experience true grace and peace and joy and the abundant life that God has promised you. I believe the key to your freedom is found in forgiving other people. You see, unforgiveness will always hinder and block the healing power of God in your life. You know, Jesus says in Mark chapter 11, have faith in God. And if you have the faith, even the size of a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain in your life, be ye removed and cast into the sea and it will be done. And we love that verse. We quote it. We put it on our mirror. We write it down. We put it in our car. We memorize that verse because we want to be mountain-moving Christians. How many of you in this room, you want to be a mountain-moving Christian? You want to say to those mountains in your life, no matter what they are, you want to say, be removed and cast into the sea. And I'm not talking about your husband. I'm not talking about your wife right now. Come on, somebody. But I am here to tell you that you're going to face a lot of problems in your life, and you're going to want to have that mountain-moving faith in your life. But notice what Jesus says in the next verse he says this and when you stand praying and believing for those mountains to be removed in your life when you stand believing and praying that God is going to answer your prayer first you must forgive you must forgive those who have ought against you that your father also which is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses but here it is but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. How many of you in this room are thankful for the forgiveness of God in your life? You better raise your hand. You better raise both of your hands. You would not be here lest God forgive you. You would not be going to heaven lest God forgive you every day of your life. The mercies of the Lord are new every day. How many of you are thank, so thankful to God for his patience in your life, for his mercy in your life? How many know that we sin constantly against God and we play the harlot against God and we commit spiritual adultery against God and every time we come to God and we ask him and we, we, we truly repent of our sin, as the Bible says that we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, when you don't forgive somebody else, it really says that you don't understand the power of the gospel in your life. When you don't forgive somebody else, you don't understand how wretched we are and how wonderfully, gloriously loving and compassionate and merciful God he is. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, become kind to one another, tender, tender-hearted, tender-hearted. Let your heart grow with compassion and understanding and be loving towards one another, forgiving one another readily and freely. 
as God in Christ has forgiven you. You see, when you don't forgive, it keeps you bound to that abuse. See, God actually wants you to forgive. Even though you don't want to do it, he wants you to forgive because, you see, I've said this many times, bitterness is the poison that we drink while we wait for the other person to die. And the writer of Hebrews says, don't let a bitter root spring up in you that you might defile others. You become toxic and you got to get rid of it. You got to get rid of it. Because if you don't get rid of it, it will get rid of you. It will destroy you. And I know it's hard to believe God on this one. I remember when God started to heal my heart from someone who really hurt me in my life, abused me mentally, physically, so many ways. I remember I couldn't even say the person's name. I couldn't even think of it. I had suppressed it for years. And God wanted to heal me of that hurt that was creating anxiety and fear and bitterness in my life that I didn't even know about because I had forgotten it. And then the Holy Spirit so lovingly brought it back to me, revelation. And then he said, it's time for you now to release it, let it go. And it was a decision that I had to make. And, and forgiveness is like peeling an onion. You take it off one layer at a time. And as you take it off one layer at a time, God begins to heal your broken heart. And God begins, listen to me, and God begins to give you capacity to love again. Capacity to trust again. Capacity to be God-like. So this morning, in closing, you know, a couple of weeks ago, as I began to study and pray about this sermon, I had heard a testimony that a young lady gave that absolutely just blessed my heart, blew me away. In the last couple of weeks, she has actually been by the bedside of her father who just passed away, and there'll be a memorial service tomorrow night. And I have been in contact with Frida. Frida, sit down, please. Make yourself at home. Um, and I have been in contact with Frida for the last two weeks, three weeks. And the thing that has just blown my mind is I know the story. I know Frida's story. I know what has happened in her life. And yet, watching her by the bedside of her dad and loving her dad has been such an incredibly powerful demonstration of the healing power of God in a person's life that I wanted you to hear this powerful story. And then I'm going to ask her to pray for all of you. So, Frida, thank you so much for coming. It takes a lot of courage to do this. And um, just um, for a few moments, just tell us, I mean... I've watched you, and like your heart is like this big towards your dad. A lot of capacity, but it wasn't always that way. And um, I know that you've gone through some things in your life. Could you just tell us a little bit about your childhood and what happened to you? Yes. We were born in, yeah. we were born in Ecuador. Is it on? Oh. We were born in Ecuador. Uh, my father was a sailor. And uh, we more grew up with my mom and my grandma. At certain point, we came to the United States. My father had a stable job over here. But when we came to the United States, we were on and off. But um, 
my mom passed away when she was 41. I was 16. My brother was 10. Mm. So we came to United States with the hoping that we were going to reunite with my father. But it seems that my father, since he didn't know how to raise us, he was never with us. Uh, he was an uh, alcoholic. That's why his condition of the heart. Um, at the age of 16, he started um, sexually uh, molested me. That was for two years, and no, three years, until 19. For some reason, at the age of 19, I left home. My brother came with me, so I came stuck, you know, raising my brother at the age of 19. Um, then I got married. I got my oldest daughter. And like around when she was two probably, I received a phone call from the emergency room telling me that my father was very ill in the hospital. At that time, my aunt, who was Christian, who is Christian, she told me to, she introduced me to the gospel and she told me I need to forgive him. So I went to the hospital and our relation started to, to be restored at that time. Um, so what I did after that is, you know, I just tried to forgive him on my flesh on, you, on your own, my your own willpower. Own, yes, yeah. and I just did it like verbally. Wow. But I, it didn't really, you know, hit me until at uh, the age of 30. It seems that, you know, all that bitterness and all that story, you know, it, it was pounding on my head all the time, the memories. It was hard for me to tell my dad, daddy, hug him, kiss him. Mm. So it, it, I was fighting with my flesh. When I became 30, I really received the Lord and I walk on the Lord and I start reading my Bible. And my father was continue, constantly getting ill, going to the hospital, but I was never with him. It wasn't until recently that he, maybe six years ago, something like that, he kind of, you know, got very sick. And for some reason, God put in my heart, I need to do something for my dad. So I started, you know, take, looking for a doctor, cardiologist, and then become the pulmon, pulmonary doctor, and so many doctors. So my agenda as a single mom was very um, full, and I didn't know how I did it. Uh, my brother alone, you know, came with me to help me with the appointments with my dad. But for some reason, I just started not realizing how the, the Lord was healing me mm. and how I was restoring my life with him. Mm. And, you know, in the times that we were going to the doctor, we were, you know, establishing a relation. Um, he was atheist. And for him to talk about God and talk the Bible, it didn't work. It was my testimony who actually was touching him. So he didn't believe in God. He didn't believe in he God. He didn't want to hear about the Bible. No. But he started watching the he's, way that you yes. loved him yes. unconditionally. And yes. he knows what he did. Yes. So in his heart, he's like, how is it that she could still love me like yes. this? Yes. Right? It was a certain point where actually in my heart, I sat with him and I said, Dad, I forgive you for what you did to me. And wow. you need also to come to the Lord and receive Jesus Christ. At that point, it was not ready. It wasn't until now, lately, that he was two months in the hospital, and I was, for some reason, loving him so much, taking care of him so much. I was trying, you know, to divide my work, my kids, and also taking care of him. I, I was so having in my heart, so heavy, that I needed to be at his side all the time. It came also to the point that my, my director, the vice president, my coworkers, everybody in the hospital, for some reason, I don't know how, they realized how devoted I was to my dad. Actually, my uh, vice president told me, 
How was your relation with your dad that you know this love? Is this love you know that he has changed, has impacted the doctors? Because even the doctors, when the doctors told me he has only 5% chances of surviving, I said, well, even that 5%, I hold on to that faith. I have a, 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 a daddy, a God, you know, that he can do more than that. A certain point, for some reason, the Lord just decided to take my dad with him. But I was making sure until the end that my father really gave his heart to Jesus. He actually gave his heart to Jesus before he went to the surgery. He survived the surgery. And then the surgery, three weeks in that, I can start seeing the grace of the Lord. Uh, people coming, actually my, my vice president for the hospital, he told me, take the time and stay with your father. Anything that you need, we will help you, right? And I stay the three weeks with my dad and I start um, singing psalms, you know, reading psalms to him, singing to him. And I was making sure all the time, because he was in ventilator, um, that he, he, would, he, at the end, he was calling on Jesus. He was saying with the ventilator, Jesus, and he will, and I know until the end that he received Jesus Christ as his Savior. Amen. So, so as, just kind of wrap it all up today. That's huge. I mean, I don't know if you got it all. She was sexually abused by her dad. And yet, She's able to be the person who covers her dad with grace and forgiveness and love to the point that she could lead her dad to the Savior. You know, Jesus doesn't only tell us to love our neighbor. He tells us to love our enemies. Yes. That's capacity. That's divine capacity. And I know that there's a lot of people here today, Frida, that they've been through what you've been through. One out of three statistics will tell us one out of three little girls are abused sexually. After the first service, several women came over to me weeping and crying. A man came over to me and said, I just don't know how to even start to forgive myself. And I was able to pray him through and, and ask the Lord to bless him. And it was amazing. But I know that there are people in this room today, you need healing in your heart. Some of you, you need some revelation. Some of you need some, the ability to release. Some of you need to receive. Some of you need to refocus and know who you are in Christ. But I think all of us in this room need to forgive. So I'd like to, I'd like everybody in this room to just bow your heads, close your eyes in the cafe, wherever you are. There's a God who loves you with an infinite love, more than you could ever imagine. And he sent his son, that's why we celebrate Christmas, to take upon himself not only your pain, but your sin. Everything that you've ever done in your life has been nailed to the cross. Now you need to receive the gift of eternal life. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I die today, I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure, I don't have that, that assurance, but I'd like to release my heart I'd like to release my darkened, broken, whatever heart to God, and I'd like to receive the gift, gift of God's love and eternal life. I want you to raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. I, I want to receive God in my life. I want you to raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you. 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 Maybe you're in the cafe. Maybe you're in the balcony. Maybe you're watching via live stream today, wherever you are. We're going to pray a simple prayer in a moment, and then I'm going to 
ask Frida to pray for all the folks in this place that have a broken heart. But if you raised your hand today, I want to pray for you. And then right after the service, there's going to be some counselors that are going to be standing right here up front. And if you raised your hand, please find the counselor. And they're going to give you some material. They're going to pray for you. They're going to help you on your journey of faith to know this awesome, incredibly loving God that we serve. But right now, why don't you bow your heads and pray this prayer with me? All over this place, Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you gave me your very best. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Forgive me, Lord. Take my heart. Take my wounded heart and begin to heal it. I give you my life and I receive today complete forgiveness of sin. From this day forward, I will trust you on this new journey of faith. In Jesus' name. Father God, we come to you right now and we lift up, Lord Jesus, every person that is being hurt in the past, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. People who have been hurt by child abuse, by sexual abuse, by emotional abuse, by physical abuse, I'm being gone through all of them. Lord, I ask you right now that you heal them in Jesus' yes, name. Yes, I cast every thought, yes, every hurt uh, in Jesus' God, name God, God, God. and I release it in his power, Lord yes, Jesus. Lord I also pray right now yes. for people who's Thank been Jesus. abusing another ones that they come, Lord Jesus, to repentance and they give yes. that repentance to the Lord, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus, I ask, Lord Jesus, that you heal the hearts of people who's been hurt, that they will be able, Lord, to forgive to the other person. Yes. Only by your grace, Lord Jesus, we can do it, Lord. Thank Lord you, Jesus, Jesus, glorify in each one of yes. my sisters and my brothers who are being wounded. Lord, and I thank you, Lord, for this sermon, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for the testimony. And I thank you, Lord, for allowing me for the last mi minutes or no, for the last months to be at my father's side. And I know that I will see him in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give Frida a big hand. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask. I'm going to. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, and the counselors are going to come now and stand across the front. And I know many of you came forward. A few. Don't move yet. Don't move yet. Just stay where you are, please. Please. This is such a precious moment. Give me two more minutes, please. Everybody, stand, will you, please? I know that many of you came forward to be prayed for, but if you need prayer today, maybe you've. Last week, you've seen the pain. This week, you want to start working and letting God work on your heart. We have some oil that we'd like to anoint you with, it, with and pray a prayer of healing over your life today. And um, our counselors will be standing here ready to pray for you. If you raised your hand and said, yes, I want to give my life to the Lord, find the counselor. And they, too, will pray for you and start the journey. Hey, listen, don't forget, God has a plan for your life. And it's big. Have a great day. God bless you.